People in the world here with me tonight, Chancey Neal. Oh, I always tell her she's one of the best songwriters I've heard. Oh, man. she don't believe me. I sure don't. <laughs> well, thank you for being here tonight. Well, I'm happy to be here. We've been needing to do this. I know. You just said a few minutes ago, it feels like we ain't seen each other in forever. I know. Well, you know, we still haven't written a song together. That's hard. You want to write tomorrow? That's hard to believe, ain't it? You want to? You want to jump in on the write tomorrow? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, gosh, I love your songwriting. Thank you. Um, I've, I've gotten better at loving my songwriting. I'm so critical of myself. So I really, compliments like still mean, I mean, I feel like in our, in our business, like we get a lot of compliments, you know, and we're used to being around new people that have never heard us sing. And I just, I still enjoy like someone saying, I'm, I'm, they like my songwriting or, or my singing or. Lately, it's been, I really like how funny you are. And I'm like, that's a new one. Okay. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Well, so. you do tell some good stories, man. <laughs> I will give you that. I, matter of fact, we did last show we did together was in Alabama. It was at the Square in Alexander City, a Deconstructed Sessions. And you just had that whole room, you know, right there in the palm of your hand. You just, you just tell them stories, and they was hanging on to every word. I think I, you know, I married an Alabama boy. I think I just get along with people from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that room, honestly, I don't know. There's so many factors that go into, like, you know, a, a good set. Like, And I was, I was really proud of that, you know, that day. I, I had a blast. Um but that room was just set up, I feel like, perfectly. Like, it was a big enough crowd to where, like, they were feeding off each other's, like, laughter. And I feel like a lot of them kind of knew each other. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also, like, small enough to where they were hanging on. I, I feel like everyone had a good set, like, everyone's yeah. words, you know. So mm -hmm. kudos to you for setting that up, too. Well, you know, that's sort of the deconstructed sessions. That's what it's about It's so that we can, you know, s s sell our audience on – the songs and why we wrote them you know who we wrote them with and so that was the premise behind it so and that's the same thing as the premise of night i don't know you know we've only been here in the studio twice we we've been live at whiskey bent for the past four months mm -hmm. and you was on one of those those are fun mm -hmm. yeah those are awesome but a few sets. weeks ago we started doing the show here live in the studio and uh we got some real big plans so cool so, i'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. anything you do i'm call me <laughs> Um, well, for y'all that don't know, Chancey is from Texas. Louisiana. Louisiana. That's I mean, good. here's the deal. So, you can tell I'm from Louisiana because it's like, she acts like she's from Texas, but she drinks a lot. Louisiana, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Louisiana, like somebody said, they're like, oh, Louisiana, this is, Louisiana is Texas's biggest county. And I'm like, I guess you could say that. We just got some better food. Maybe I shouldn't say better, but you can't, you know. Cajun food is hard to beat. I did that Louisiana show with y'all. Oh, yeah. I snuck, I snuck right on in there. Come on. I mean, Alabama, Louisiana, it sounds similar. When they asked me where yeah. I'm from, you know. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> that, was fun. that was a great night. That was oh, a great man. Show. 
Yeah, that was a good time for sure. But I am a huge, huge fan of yours, and I'm, you know, grateful to have your friendship. Same. And I'm glad that you enjoyed being a part of things I do because I enjoy having you. Well, thank you. You know, Chad, you are a connector. Um, Kristen Kelly is who connected us. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. Like, I only met you in August, but Mm -hmm. I've had a crazy, like, I would say probably year. I know, like, 2020 was wild for everybody but I feel like I made so many new friends and um over the years so I can't like look back on it and be like man 2020 sucked even though absolutely it was a tough year but I kind of just like went a different route with it and uh you were one of those people and then just you being a connector like I mean how many shows have we played together now a bunch bunch, you know since August yeah retreats and just just a good group of folks. You know, I just I just love good people. And I do too. Our group of people that we hang out with and write with, mm-hmm. we got a, a fantastic group of friends. It really is. I yeah. mean, I'm just so grateful to be part of it, you know. Yeah, same. The first time we met was on a retreat in Alabama. Yep, that's right. And we had just finished up our record. And you got up and sang a song at night. <laughs> That was the same name of one of the songs that we was going to get up and sing. Oh, my gosh. I want to hear it from your perspective because I feel like I'm always the one that's like, oh, my. Because I was really, I was so excited. And I was also like, oh, my gosh, he's the one, like, putting on the retreat. I hope he's not. People can get competitive in Nashville, you know. And I I was like, I hope, you know, I don't know. It's a very, it's like they're completely different songs but similar ideas. And honestly, when I heard it, I was like, we, which we're going to, but like we could write some great songs because a lot of times, like the people I gel with the most in a writing room, and that ends up happening. Like I'll, I'll have a title I've been having in my phone for two years, and I throw it out in a room. They're like, "Oh, I wrote that already," you know. Yeah. And so it's well, a it's good, good sign. For, it's good for me though because uh, every time I see you, I, I ask for a new sticker, <laughs> and then I can go sell it as my own merchandise. I got some new stickers. They don't say they don't say Hail Mary on them, but I have some new stickers. I got one on my guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Well, so I told you a little bit about this show. Mm-hmm. We get a little, you know, we ain't got to go deep or or whatever. I thought you were gonna say we get a little drunk, and I was like, hey, I'm ready. Let's go. Well, you did bring some wine. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Cabernet. Um, but yeah, take us back. Because, uh, you know, I tell us everywhere we go. I'm proud of this. But whenever I introduce you to somebody, <laughs> what's the first thing I say? World champion. That's right. <laughs> and I'm so proud of that. Because we used to rodeo when I was little, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's well, awesome. You know, we, we, we lived up in Missouri for a while. And, mm-hmm. and everybody around us rodeoed, so we didn't have no choice. Yeah. We well, didn't necessarily do it. I was, too. But I was a huge fan of barrel racing. A huge fan of bull riding. And... You know, you're a world champion barrel racer. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I had a great horse, uh, and and I don't say that, like, I do try to be humble about it, but, man, like, he's still alive, and he, he just, he taught so many kids. Um, my family also gave, like, riding lessons, and he's taught so many kids how to ride. And, um, yeah, so I guess I'll just kind of tell my story. I can't, yeah. Like, I drink, and if I have a drink in my hand, that's all I focus on, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I grew up in a. <laughs> we got a live studio relate, audience, right? Tonight, yeah. By the way. <laughs> um, 
I grew up North Louisiana, and uh, my dad was a professional bull rider. Um, and then my mom had always had horses, and her dad raised quarter horses and paint horses. And so Dakota, who I won world on uh, when I was nine, he was my papa raised him from a baby. And so it's kind of funny. I mean, I'll go on another level of talking about genetics and stuff, which is probably not the right podcast for that. <laughs> um, but it's just cool to, you know, have a horse that was in the family like that win something that big. But, I mean, since then I've really started studying genetics and I geek out over it. I, I raise, like, babies now and um, just I just get so excited. So, anyway – when I was nine, I won world championship, and uh, just I won state as well, and um, mid south nationals on that same horse. So, how, how do you even get to to the world championship? Um, well, you you qualify for it. So there's um, it's called it was NBHA sanctioned National Barrel Horse Association, which at the time was the biggest one next to WPRA, which is like where you go to the NFR. But I wasn't old enough to compete professionally. Because that's 18 and up. They okay. It used to not be 18 and up, and then they changed it. The rumor was like, that's because all the kids was waxing everybody's tail, you know. Um, which, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, because there are some amazing, you know, people. Are, it's incredible how those horses and riders are. But, um, yeah. so, what, sorry, you, what was your question? I get so, like... I get so into like being inspired by barrel racers. I'm like, wait, what? Well, that's true. We're talking about how you get to the world championship. Oh yeah, so you qualify like through you know there's a run every Saturday, and uh, so you qualify on a state level and then a national level. And so, luckily, the nationals were only like two hours from our house because that's just like a barrel racing hot spot. And uh, yeah, so I qualified, and then there was like. There's probably like a thousand barrel racers that that end up um, going to nationals. So it's because it's all over the world and also like overseas. They would either fly horses over or they would lease a horse once they got over here. Hence, world championship. We, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is remarkable. I, that's that is something to be proud of. It's cool. I am. I'm very proud of it. I mean, I I have that pool. Like I love. I love everything about rodeo and I just imagine you got yeah. a big like a big gold belt. Oh yeah, I have a picture of like I was wearing it and the buckle is just like it's huge. I was like you know, I'm like 5 foot nothing now. You can imagine how little I was at 9. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's it's great. And I want a horse trailer too. Horse trailer, saddle. Uh I kind of had a moment a few uh last week cuz I'm breaking a 2-year-old right now. And um he I, I used my world champion saddle to, for their, like, first couple uh, times to have the saddle on their back okay. because it's lightweight. It's a youth saddle. And uh, I, and he's the first one that, like, I've raised on my own. Like, I watched him come into the world, you know, like, picked out his daddy, picked out his mama, you know. And uh, I, th I slung that saddle on him. It said world champion. I was just like, wow, this is a cool moment, you know, to do something like that. But. Maybe he'll be a world champion one day. So, so, so they even further with that today, right? I think that they're at the gene level now, picking their mom and dad. Oh God, you can like, it's it's incredible what you can do nowadays. So yeah. I, I don't have any experience with horses, but I will tell this quick story. We played a show down in. Well, I won't want to say where it's at. 
down in somewhere. Yeah, we met the guy who has the uh, pedigree, the highest rated pedigree of chickens for chicken fights. Oh, I was not expecting you to say that at all. <laughs> yeah, that's complete. That's a complete opposite of a horse. But I mean, it's so serious. Oh yeah, I mean, he's got people that fly in from all over the world I'm, to come and buy his chicken. And there the, is such a market. For, I've learned about this recently in Alabama too. Ironically enough, um, my husband boxed for a, a while, and uh, he was like seriously into training and was like wanting to go pro. Um, and one of his coaches back in the day, not currently. He just had, like, a single-wide trailer, like, back out, you know, on the back 40. And Brian was like, what? what's that? What do you do with that? You know? And he goes, oh, that's my chicken gym. And he was like, <laughs> your chicken gym? And he thought he was joking. He was like, no, that's where we work out the chickens. <laughs> and he was serious. They have, like, they work them out or whatever. And he was like, yeah, some of them will sell for, like, 100 grand. Yeah. And, like, some amazing. of the tournaments, they win. It's an insane amount of money. I'm like... What in the world? It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Some redneck. So I imagine right the horses there. can sell for even. <laughs> Am lot. I allowed to say that on this podcast? I had to bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> so how about the horses? How much can they go for? Oh, a lot. Um, it just it depends on their training level, like, um, and their bloodlines. I mean, but it, few hundred thousand dollars up to a million dollars i mean they're and now i'm talking about like million couple hundred thousand like that horse has to be like proven or have some really awesome genetics like you know to pass down to it so let's see who won the last triple crown oh god put me on the spot i'm talking about two different types of horses then yeah thoroughbred okay they know that w- that wasn't the last one. It was one won it right the year after he did Justified or, but you won. are right. American Pharaoh won it, and then the next year another horse won it. Yeah, so I got to meet American Pharaoh. So the direct offspring cool. of American Pharaoh, yes, can sell for what millions of dollars. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, it's kind of interesting. Like there's on the thoroughbred side of things, there's this horse named Stormcat. And he never really won a whole lot on the racetrack, but when it came down to his progeny, every single it was it was down to like every single one of them was proven and would win. And so it really depends on how. A lot of times, like if you if this horse won in the rodeo arena, then its offspring are very likely to also win. But sometimes that that's not how it goes. But if they they they've been proven is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Then you know that stud or that mare has had babies that have won money. Then it, it's just genetics, you know. They pass it down. How many horses you got now? I have four right now, so not. I I, I try to keep one in. Like I really like to have a project, but just I have brood mares and like they're they're just babied and have babies and get fed you know we don't ride them or anything so i like to keep one uh just to like kind of rehab like train teach it some stuff that it didn't know before and then find a really good home for it see well you're used to these big stages you've won the world champion (laughs) barrel racing you have a theory about that what because growing up like i feel like 
it's the same feeling as going going to that rodeo arena, like performing, but you're not worried about the crowd, but you're worried about your performance. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's transferred over, like in the music. In in the music, I'm rarely worried about the crowd, but I'm so worried about my perform my performance. Mm-hmm. You know, which I feel like I'm like, oh, that's a good that's a good way to think. You know, but sometimes that's sometimes that's perfection. I can see how that translates over. <laughs> So we talked about Hail Mary, and we're going to have you play that here soon. Yeah. But how did you get, what was the transition like from the barrel racing rodeo world to the music world? I mean, how, what, what made you want to even do that in the first place? Um, well, so I didn't grow up like with anyone playing music in my family. So I still kind of, sometimes I'll jam with musicians and I'm just like, I didn't get to do this, you know, with, with my family growing up, and I just eat it up. But, yeah, um, yeah I, the transition, um, it was actually, I, and along the lines of what I just said, you know, just it set me up, I feel like, to have a lot, you know, to be an artist or to be in the music business because it's just it's late nights. Like, I wasn't one of those kids that had, like, a sleep schedule. And my my parents were like proud of it. They're like, "Oh, we don't put our kids to bed at eight. <laughs> so, well, t- explain that. Tell me more about that. Yeah, what what well, was your life like? Well, okay, so like every Friday and Saturday, which it was on the weekends, on school nights, like yeah, we you know we had to go to bed at a decent time. And I hated going to bed. I, I've I've been a night owl since the day I was born. Um, but yeah, so every weekend, pretty much every weekend, we would be gone rodeoing somewhere. And like a lot of times, being that close to Texas, like a lot of times it wasn't necessarily a whole lot of traveling. It was close to home. But then uh, like we went to like nationals one year, was in New Mexico. So it's just like my poor dad just like drove and drove and drove and drove. And the second he could teach me how to drive a horse trailer, he did. Because he's like just, you know, a <laughs> lot of driving. And uh, I can, it's like I something you don't realize, like when you sign up to rodeo, like you, you're like, well, I didn't realize like I was going to be driving this much. I have to like driving too. I, and I feel like it's the same thing with music. It's like nobody <laughs> tells you how much you have to drive. You better really like that too. Yeah. You better really like packing and unpacking. You know, it's an important part of being in the music business. But, you know, it's like a whole bunch of late nights, a whole bunch of like, you just never know how long the rodeo is going to last. So mm-hmm. if there's... 400 barrel racers but you become friends with them they become like your family right yeah because mm-hmm. everybody travels to the same so, yeah, place yeah, every you week. see the same people pretty yeah. much every weekend um yeah it, it it was like very wholesome too i mean i know people were like drinking beer in their trailer but i don't remember seeing anybody like <laughs> you know throwing down i was like just very family friendly and you know a lot of times we'd be going home at like two in the morning eating waffle house and i didn't realize i was the only sober one there it's like rolling up at waffle house at 2 a.m after a rodeo on a friday night like just the kneels and a bunch of drunks you know trying to get sober so so it's highly competitive though but there's your friends yeah yeah so how is that like the music business because music business is definitely competitive but we live in nashville you get you get pretenders you get people that pretend like they are your friend and they'll turn around and talk write about you to somebody else as soon as they turn around yeah so you know when you find your 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 the right people and you yeah. know they're you know you call them family is that similar to it it definitely is i mean 
I feel like that's human nature too, yeah. like with anything. But I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's some drama. You're talking about a bunch of barrel racers. Like there's some drama that goes on. But I mean, I just, I'm the type of person like, I try to stay out of it anyway. So I think maybe I avoided a lot of it. Just being happy-go-lucky, goofy. Well, you are. You're you know, way. I, and you're not the drama kind of. Yeah, I, and so like, oh, don't get me wrong. If there's a post on Facebook, I'm like, mm, <laughs> let me see, like, let me look at these comments. You know, somebody else's drama. But so there is, but like, as far it's a really good atmosphere. Like as far as competition goes, because like when you go into that arena, you have people saying, "Yeah, go!" Like they want you to make the best run you can possibly make. You know, maybe unless they're winning and they and they're like, please don't be fast, but don't be like, don't don't yeah. be that fast. You be know, everybody but, except me. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, it's a, it's just healthy competition, you yeah. know. And I, I rodeoed with my sisters, and that was the other thing. Like, we just never. I wanted my sister to have the best run she could possibly have, and sometimes we would share horses, because uh, you got to fit the horse to the rider, and yeah. so sometimes it's like hey you get on that one and see if you know you ride it better than I do and if she does I'm like yeah good then go win you know and and so I think like that's something I'd really maybe resent is like a stronger word but resent about the music business is the unhealthy competition that comes from it you know because I'm competitive I love competition I love it feed off of it but uh it's okay to be, compete with yourself you yeah know? like th- do that first i mean i'm the same way i love being i got a competitive spirit you know our dad instilled that in us because, yeah you know just anything we did as kids we always they wanted us to do the best we could be but you know it's hard to be that way when i'm also a cheer i like i, li- I love to see my friends do good yeah you know i love celebrating my friends uh, when they do do something fantastic, um, so I feel like that's probably a personality type because I can I can re- we're probably actually I'm not to get weird and talk about enneagram stuff, but like we're probably the same enneagram because I can relate to that so much. <laughs> 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 it's like it's a rabbit hole. I'll totally go down. Well. Wh- I just like really don't understand myself sometimes and so I have to be like someone explain me to me that would be great <laughs> <laughs> I was just at the farm yesterday talking about these personality traits uh when we get done tonight I'll tell you about this uh well you brought a book I did too, and I got a yes. book I want to tell you about oh yeah uh I hadn't read it yet but Brenda uh showed it to me yesterday and it it's about the exact same thing. But I know people are probably like, would you stop talking about that big magic book? Because I'm like, read it. And then I get very adamant because I know people are like, okay, I'll read that book. I'm like, read it, please. So let's do this. I know y'all probably want to hear some songs. So let's do a song. Okay. Let's do, let's do, uh, we talked about it already. The first time I met you, I heard Hail Mary for the first time. Yep, yep. Let's, uh, let's play that one. Okay, And then cool. we'll, we'll talk about another subject. Yeah, I also I want to hear your um, your side of like when you heard me play Hail Mary, like your reaction. Okay. So you know you know set it up to everybody. Yeah. So let's deconstruct this. So okay, this is really funny because uh, this is like I think classic. Um, 
entertainer tactics because when I normally sing this song out live, I, I'm like, well, is there anybody? Well, let me. Is there anybody named Mary in here? Okay, no. Good. That would be like a really small crowd. I'm like, Ooh, really small crowd. A niece named Mary. Okay, so I'm sure she's great, and this song's not about her. Apologize ahead of time to your niece. Um, so normally I kind of set it up that way. Right. And you've heard me do it a thousand times. And I'm like, well, I met this Mary one time, and I didn't like her, and I wrote a song about her. And um, the funny thing about that is I did, have not met a Mary. I've met a Mary, but not her, her name wasn't Mary. I guess you not know. the Mary. Right. And so the, the real way. But I like to make people laugh, and that really makes people laugh, just to be like, is anybody named Mary? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, it's it's like acting. Yeah. And telling telling this song the way I wrote it, like, just doesn't make people laugh. So I'll tell the story of how I actually wrote the song. Absolutely. This is what Deconstruction is all about. That's right. Um. So I walked into the room that day. I was writing with Terry Sawchuk and Jen Stegall. And um, I've love them both they wrote my very first single that I released after like six years called over you as well and um Terry had this idea called Hail Mary and it was like living life like you're you know throwing a Hail Mary and me being like the goofball that I am I don't I think I'm I think I might have been hung over that day. And the thing about me writing I always like I'm like oh my god I can't believe I did this to myself like a handful of times I've you know stayed out too late on a Sunday or something <laughs> and uh, Monday morning hurts and like I tend to write cool songs when I'm hungover I don't know I'm not trying to make that a thing <laughs> it's like maybe maybe like the one thing I won't do to write a hit song is intentionally be hungover I don't know um <laughs> so I walk in and he said that idea and I was just thinking to myself it's such a beautiful idea, but, like, I know that I cannot be that serious today. Like, it felt like climbing a mountain. And I just was like, you can go to hell, Mary. I can see you saying that. And, you know, <laughs> just like that. And I kind of laughed. And then I kind of was like, and I looked at Jen. She was sitting by me, and we kind of were like, oh. And then Terry was working on a track, and then he kind of stopped. And then we just kind of started, like, that That melody came out right off the top. And... um. It was the easiest chorus like I've ever written. And I think the whole song was written in like less than two hours. Um, but it's just just a funny song. And I, it hasn't offended anyone from that I know yet, except I sang it one time and I looked out in the crowd and I'm like halfway into the song and I see a couple from the church I grew up in in the crowd. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they were laughing so hard. They were cracking up and I was like, you know what? I don't care who gets offended as long as they didn't. So, anyway, this one's called Hail Mary. Gosh dang, it's a shame that your mama gave you that name. Man. You ain't, you ain't no saint. You ain't no saint. Yeah, you're pressing. Look when you're dialing him up and well, you know, you know what I think For goodness sake, you can go to hell, Mary You think you're hot, but you're not very If you look up hope in the dim 
smoking must be some good stuff that you're smoking Cause you gotta be hot, I think you be with my guy Are you sure your name ain't Mary Jane? You can go to hell, Mary You think you're hot, but you're not very If you look up holes in a dictionary fun i'm telling y'all talk about an icebreaker for a crowd like if i have a <laughs> tough crowd i'm like all right got one for you it's great people hear ho and they just laugh so hard well you 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 expand on that sometimes <laughs> in your live show oh yeah i do it's a whole thing I've, and it works yeah i've just I, it's funny because sometimes i'll edit depending on the crowd i'm like maybe it's not the right Proud to scream ho in a microphone. I don't know. Cause <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, I just love you. All right, so you want to do another song, or you gonna get jump into something? Uh, yeah. What what do you what do you, what do y'all want to hear? What? Well, you got. I'm a people song. pleaser, so. <laughs> you got another song coming out? Mm-hmm. Here in just a few weeks. I do. Um, this is an oldie, but I'm gonna go ahead and take these off because they're gonna end up falling during this. Wow. Okay. Of all things that happen, that's definitely something I would do. Okay, I got it. I got it. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, yeah, just put them out there. You don't okay, need no cool. So, so tell me about this song. What's the name of it? It's called Drunk on That. Oh, I love this song. Um, I feel like I'm saving the best for last. I love this song so much. It's this song has, you know, been on hold and almost been cut and people come up and be like, That song, like I wanna cut that song and I'm like, please. And it's just funny, like, um, I've had, you know, a publishing deal for a really long time and um how like a song can die, but also a song can stay alive too. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I feel, I've been playing a lot of writer's rounds, and I love playing rounds, but sometimes it just gets tiring because you don't know what you're going to get into, and mm-hmm. like, you know, they don't pay, and 
and whatever but songwriters rounds have just kept the song alive and like um that they do that for a lot of songs for me because I still sing songs I wrote when I was 15 you know and if it's a great song and the crowd reacts to it I'm gonna keep playing it yeah so I'll go, I'll go further than that some sometimes I was writing rounds like that can save you yes I mean there you know there was several months this past year where if it wasn't for us putting writers rounds on or retreats mm-hmm. or something yeah none of us would have been playing music yeah it's you know? true but uh no this is one of my favorite songs and uh so people that don't know what a song being on hold is a song being put on hold or is, cut that's or, another or word cut, yeah. yeah so as a songwriter when you write a song obviously you'd love for artists to cut it unless you're going to cut it yourself so when a when a big artist from a major label decides that they they want the song, they put it on what they call hold. Uh, like I say, for y'all that don't know, and what that means is nobody else like stop pitching it. Stop pitching yeah. the song. Now that don't mean that it's going to make their album. You know, mm-hmm. I, actually, we go through that a lot. Sometimes <laughs> songs been put on hold. You know, yeah. you get excited about it, and you're calling mama, and you're, oh my gosh, guess you know somebody guess who put this song on hold and. And then two months later, you're like, ah. Uh, oh, they, I know. My, and my so dad's like, like, did you ever hear from Kelly Clarkson? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. And it's like for two years after that. Like, whatever happened with that? Such and such song. I think my mama just gave up on me. <laughs> she, uh, you know, I'll call her and celebrate the song being put on hold, but you know, she'll never say nothing else about it. <laughs> you know? She's like, she knows. okay. But yeah. there's going to come a day yeah. where... She won't have to ask me. I'll, That's right. I'll tell her. But uh, so so this one was put on hold several times. You kept it live at Riders Rounds, and who decided it was going to be your next single? It's it's, it's a great song. I'm, well, I'm, I'm proud of it. I kind of think um, just the way I, I recorded an EP, um, and so it was five songs. EP is like a basically a mini record, so. Um, five songs and I just this was just one I was like this one's gonna be on there and then I'd also written one by myself and so it was just like a a compilation of songs that I really it meant something for me to like give them a chance to be heard Um, and I had like just really good people encouraging me being like you need to put this out like people will love this you know so Really, this song, but go just for the the me dying to put this song out into the world. It was written seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, so is Kelly Clarkson who put it on hold? No, that was it. Wasn't Kelly? It was a uh, Leanne Womack, which I normally don't say names, right. but um, well, I asked, yeah, so. you asked. So well, let's hear it. Yeah, it's drunk called on "Drunk on that. that." I love it. Take some time to tune this real fast since I put the capo on. Uh, we'll do a commercial break right here. This okay, portion of our perfect. program is being brought to you by Real Music Nashville and Mitchell. Mitchell Ray, we're a man down tonight. Cannon's out, but Cannon, we're thinking about you. Oh, Cannon. He's he had to. PCB. He's in the studio. You know, he works at the studio now, round room. Oh, okay, awesome. So he's working late tonight. Um, U.S. towboats. Friends of ours from Lake Martin. Remember the Pace Place? Ah, uh, yep. Well, they introduced us to some other friends uh, whose name is Chad and his wife, uh, Gilliland. Yeah. Uh, and they became a sponsor of the show. Uh, they were part of the show we played. 
Yes, and, uh, that's, that, yeah. Yep, sure was. That was they're awesome. I got to meet them. They're great people. And so now that spring has come and it's boat season again, they've been extremely busy. I hadn't even talked to them in probably a month now. Yeah. Uh, which is good because that means business is good for them. So I'm happy with that. But anyway, Heck you yeah. tuned up, ready to All go? All right, I'm tuned up and ready to go. Drunk on that, chance Drunk to Drunk on that. Vinyl records, pops and cracks. Keith Willie singing. Something sad, yeah Well, I could get drunk on Sandy beaches, river banks Bar stools and drop tailgates, yeah Well, I could get drunk on that There's a a whole lot of places, a whole lot of things that make me want to kick back, have a couple drinks. But if I really want to take it, take it too far, I just think about how you broke my heart and you ain't coming back. Well, I could get drunk on that. Broken promises, packed up bags, red wine and old photographs, tears falling, a diamond ring. Now what am I supposed to do with this thing? Well, I, I could get drunk on that. A whole lot of places, a whole lot of things that make me want to kick back, have a couple drinks. But if I really want to take it, take it too far, I just think about how you broke my heart and you ain't coming back. Well, I could get drunk on that. Somebody knew Well I used to be her And she ain't got a clue What we used to have Well I could get drunk on that Yeah there's a, a whole lot of places A whole lot of things That make me want to kick back and Have a few drinks but if I really wanna take it, take it too far I'll just sit right here and let you break my heart Cause you ain't coming back I could get drunk on that No, you ain't coming back I could get drunk on that Mm-hmm.
beautiful. Little drinking song. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. 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 I have a funny story about that song. Let's so, in the <laughs> in the chorus, it goes. Um, Whole lot of places, whole lot of things Made me want to kick back and have a couple drinks Well, in the last chorus I say Make me want to kick back and have a few drinks Well, a lot of times, like, friends will sing background vocals And it happens, like, every time They think I'm going to do couple again And they say, and I say few Well, the combination of, like, few and couple sounds like a expletive <laughs> like, like, really big time. Okay, like, yeah. And there's a, anyway. So I always like make sure, like, if they're singing backgrounds vocals, I won't switch that line. Anyway, because I will crap. The funny, I'm not worried about somebody thinking. Only and have a effing drink. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Only you. <laughs> oh, it just makes me laugh, and I don't want to like laugh in the last, very last chorus. It's like gut wrenching, and I'm over there like. <laughs> You just almost said the F word in my phone. <laughs> yeah, only me. Well, let's, let me let me let me back up. Now that we've heard a couple okay. songs, back up. We was talking about the transition in the music. You didn't mm -hmm. have a family that played. Mm -hmm. How did you even learn how to play guitar? And when did you move to Nashville? Um, so I was 12 years old. Um, my family took a vacation to Gatlinburg, and on the way back they kind of went out of the way to Chattanooga to see Lookout Mountain. When we got to Lookout Mountain, there was a girl on top of, uh, up there, I guess you I need to figure out how to play that gig also. Because apparently they have music up there, I'm just saying. It just hit me. Anyway, she was playing music, and she was playing original songs. And I had never heard, like, someone play original songs in my hometown with a guitar, you know. And it was a girl that was like, in her teens, you know, she was probably 17 or 18. And you was 12, right? And I was 12, okay. yeah. And I was just fascinated. And prior, when I was about eight, uh, we have a family member who is a great musician, great guitar player, piano player. He's like, it's through marriage. Okay. And um, we had all, always heard he could play guitar well. And so my parents had tried to give me guitar lessons when I was like eight, and it just didn't, I was just so ADD like I'm still I'm still a little bit but um I could just it, my brain wasn't ready um so I but I'd had like a guitar in my hand before and so when I saw someone else doing it I like to be the center of attention sometimes and I was like I want to do that well, like I mean, everyone's watching her I'm I think she is the coolest girl ever and I wouldn't let my parents leave and so the whole way home, I'm like, I want guitar lessons. I want guitar lessons. And my dad, he told me later on, he was like, I made sure that you kept asking before. I didn't just jump, you know, and go buy you a guitar or whatever. I wanted you to, like, really want it. And I, it's, it's really weird. Like, I don't learn stuff this fast now. But I started taking lessons in – we took a trip in July – September was when I started taking lessons. My older sister's 18th birthday was October 28th. And that was the first time I ever got on stage and played a song. And I played four songs. And I was a nervous wreck. I had did not have a good time at the party at all. 
and I wanted to back out. And then once I got up there, I was only going to do one, and I played four. And but looking back on it, I was only I'd only been playing guitar for a, a month, and had like put together chords, and mm-hmm. I, it makes me want just thinking about. It was just something that like I I, th- I would think I was meant to do, you know, and it makes me want to like pick up more instruments and try to play them. But have you ever, have you ever tried? Um, I've I took piano lessons and like got to where I could play. My hands are like really tiny, so it's not the greatest instrument for a yeah. short person. Um, which that's probably I'm sure there's like someone with tinier hands than I am that's an incredible get- piano player. But um, yeah, I I was picking it up. The thing with piano that I couldn't put together um i really don't like this quality about me but i'm not a practicer um so i learn a lot on this by playing like you know going on writer's retreats and jamming but i'm not good about picking it up just by myself and practicing and getting better yeah i wish i was better that and so with the piano like it's not an instrument you just carry around with you right in social situations so you're you not know. around a lot yeah, and so it just wasn't as accessible, yeah. you know, with the way my mind works. Um, but that's a big fat excuse. I need to buckle down and learn. But how I to do, play it. I do feel you on the songwriting though. Yeah, I, I'm totally opposite. My mom played the piano every night. Mm-hmm. I'd sit with her at the piano, you know, for an hour every night while she played. And then when she'd get up from playing, I'd sit there for another hour mm-hmm. and try to mimic everything she just did. Yeah, she learned to play by ear. That's how I learned to play. Yeah, listening to her. I mean. It just amazed me that she could listen to something and pick it out like that, and and in just a second she could have it picked out when it does. I mean, that's awesome. I feel like with melodies too, it's such a beneficial instrument to mm. write with because you can the melody, all the melodies are laid out in front of you. It's just putting them together, you that's know. True. Um, all the notes are right there, like on a guitar. You know, they're not they're not in a line. That's a great way of, of putting that. Yeah. You know, um, Anthony, I was in Montana this past week, and I wrote with a uh, one of my heroes, Anthony Smith. Yeah. His approach is, is almost like you just said, it's right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. You just got to put it together. His approach is, you know, once the melody is established, all we got to do is fill in blanks. Right. Let your imagination, I, I can't remember how he said it, but. His writing style is so unique because you and I are similar. Well, I don't know. We've never written a song, so I don't know yeah. what kind of writing <laughs> That's style. That's funny. <laughs> but he lets the line, he lets one line take, take, you know, direct the next line. Okay, yeah. So you don't start with a hook. Oh, interesting. You start All with right. one line, the first line of the song, and you let that line dictate what the next line is going to be. That's different. I feel like. That works for a lot of people. Like, I've heard there are so many different writing styles, yeah. and that works for a lot of people. And I i haven't tried it with that mindset of, like, lead from line to line, but I feel like I've written a, an amazing verse. Yeah. And I, I just have, I'll, like, write myself into it, and I'm like, so what's the song about? Like, I don't know, you know. See, I don't trust myself enough I, to I think that's what I think that's it, more of what it is. Talking about ADD. You know, if I don't have something to write toward, mm-hmm. then who knows where I'm going to take it. I mean, I could be riding a hot air balloon or something. Yeah. I, well, think, but, you know, think about, like, Rocket Man, though. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, that you know that that song was not written. Let's write a song about, let's, it, I have an, a title called Rocket Man. 
If yeah. I brought that in an astronaut, they'd be like, I don't want to write no song about an astronaut. Like, you know. That's ironic. I wrote with uh, Royal Lynn today. Oh, yeah. She's great. Her new single is called Rocket Man. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. But she probably has a hook, though. She probably has a hook, like a yeah. Nashville hook. Right. That, she yeah. wrote it the way we would probably write. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like an asshole now. No, 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 no. no <laughs> I meant no. more of like a, like Elton John's Rocket Man, you know. <laughs> right. If I know her, like she, that girl's got some really cool ideas. She does. Yeah. It, it's my first time writing with her, so you know you have to learn somebody. Yes. Um, to get just like with Anthony, you know, you have, you have to learn that style is so foreign to me. I've mm-hmm. always. I've always been taught my whole life. You know, Around a hook, right? Something about and just you know. and just like you, yeah. And just like you though, growing up, there was no original music. Mm-hmm. My what's so funny, our hometown in, in Alabama, a little small town, Alexander City, so many great musicians have come out of my hometown. The reason they're not known is because they was great at duplicating. Right. We have we have we have some of the most famous cover bands ever that come from my hometown. Yeah. Three, you know, uh, Blind Man's Buddy. I, shoot, when I was in high school, coming out of high school, I used to, I'd go on the road with them. I just asked them, just let me come with y'all. Just you know, you ain't gonna pay me or nothing. I just want to come <laughs> experience. Just want to hang out. Yeah. And they would go do these cover shows, but they would rock the place out, and you could tell that there's so much talent on stage. Yeah. But as far as being original. And songwriting, that was that was kind of completely foreign. new to me when I moved to Nashville, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't last long when I first moved here, because I didn't know that. Yeah, like the original. I don't know what drove drove me to write a song when I was twelve. Like, yeah. I don't know if I was a big Michelle Branch fan, and I I just I knew she wrote a lot. Like that Wreckers album is like some of my like ground roots inspiration. And yeah. also like Britney Spears, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just something. Hey, that tape was great. <laughs> well, it ain't something that 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 you care like Travis Tritt, one of my heroes. I didn't know that he wrote his music until yeah. later one on. One of the most underrated yes. songwriters in Nashville, I think, is Toby Keith. Absolutely. I like when I look at some of those the credits. Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot of that stuff by himself. Yeah. I mean, and that's very rare. Yeah. These days. It's completely. I don't even know if that happens anymore. Yeah, it it really. I don't. It doesn't a whole lot. Travis Tritt, same thing. I struggle uh, writing a lot. You know, for sure. Clint Black. A lot of those. A lot of those guys that you know when we were growing up that we listened to. They were true artists. They they yeah. they wrote. But the thing is, growing when you grow up like like I was saying in, in the, our hometown. We didn't, I didn't learn about originality or how to write a song. Nobody taught me that. Mm-hmm. You're somebody big if you go out and play Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama, like like it's supposed to sound. Right, yeah. You know, you're a hero. Um, all right, so so you wrote your first song at 12, mm-hmm. and then so you moved to Nashville when? When I was 15. Um, yeah. It was just I met some really random contacts who had been um, in Nashville in the past. So guy who taught me how to play guitar is named Kenny Bill Stinson, and um, he is, like, a legend in North Louisiana. Just, like, he had played with, like, 
Jerry Lee Lewis, and he has like some crazy stories about Jerry Lee and just like he and he's a great guitar player, like super soulful. So he taught me how to play, um, and just by ear, like I would pick out a song. I think that's how I learned so easy. But he would tell me to pick a song that week, and I would pick, and it helped me listen to music too. I would pick my favorite song. And then he'd come over and teach it to me. And then we'd jam, you know. And so that kind of progressed. I immediately started playing shows, like doing gigs. Um, my 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 dad's like a huge music lover. I mean, he cannot sit still during music. He he loves to dance. And I've realized that like the older I get, that like that's rare. And like how much he loves music. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, thank you for passing that down to me, yeah. you know. And he would he was just like telling everyone that I played and you know trying to get me gigs and um, I was like I was nervous a lot I like I wouldn't say that like I looked forward to playing though because I was just ner I didn't I was nervous and like it I didn't have like I didn't always know how to connect with the crowd you know and. It's just funny. I mean, there, this is a whole other story about, like, how that's changed. Oh, that's changed. Over the, years. That is just Yeah, changed. it I'm, has. I'm a, I'm a testament to that. I, can, I had, I see like, it. a... You connect with your audiences now. Like, it's pretty... It's, it's so cool to watch. Thank I have not always been confident about that, and I really appreciate that compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, some of that comes from just playing really crappy gigs, too, and I'm just like... Mm. I'm not the type of person that gets mad about that stuff. Obviously, it doesn't feel great to be. It's awkward. But, like, I don't get mad at the crowd. I just find a way. I'm like, how do I get them engaged, you know? Um, So, anyway, back to the story. Um, Kept writing. Found some, like, really random contacts in North Louisiana that had Nashville roots. So, the next, I ended up starting taking guitar lessons from another guy in North Louisiana, and his name was Richard McLean, and he really, like, helped me. He, it it was just a different style of lesson, and I think that's kind of something important, too. Like, I think a lot of people stay with the same guitar teacher, even if they're kids, and people play so differently. It was nice to be taught by someone with a different perspective than what I, how I'd learned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he knew a guy named Phil O'Donnell in town, and Richard had previously lived in Nashville and was, like, a studio musician. And then he had moved back to my hometown. That was one contact. Um, another one was Shay Smith, who um, her, I believe it's, it was her aunt that went to church with my family. And Shay has had, like, six number ones, mm. some, like, incredible like single white female uh so complicated so frustrated um one number a one. bunch of colin ray stuff yeah like great that was my first co-write with wow. shay so you, you um, dove right in yeah i did and i had no idea i didn't know like mm-hmm. i was just you know my parents were supportive and i could play guitar and had written some songs that like weren't that great um, and but at a young age, I do remember kind of having like an intuition about like that rhymes, but it f- sounds like I'm trying too hard to rhyme. You know, there's an intuition about it. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So, kind of like compiled that list. I, I grew up in North Louisiana, so Duck Dynasty, that's where they're from. Grew up going to church with all the Robertsons. See, this is a whole other story. You're like, I, you're this, like the Forrest when he, of When he said, this is going to be an hour, and I was like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to play four songs. I'm like, you could just tell me to play four songs, and my talking along, I'd take it an hour. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, so the Robertsons are from where I'm from. My dad was a custom home builder, built a lot of their, like, houses, and um, just like Miss Kay threw me my baby shower, like my mom, her baby shower for me. And it's like, we go way back. So Willie knew, uh, Luke from Buck Commander. Okay. Talking about so, Luke Bryan. Yeah. Luke Bryan. So Luke was a big duck hunter and had always been a fan of Phil Robertson, like the original, like duck commander. Cause they were famous in the hunting world before duck dynasty ever came out. So, Luke was a fan of Phil's. Willie and him got to be friends. And so Willie, at one point, actually was like, wanted to manage me. Like, when I, this was before Duck Dynasty came out. <laughs> this was when they had like their outdoor channel. But that show. would have been something to see. <laughs> I could probably find that contract somewhere in my email. Um, it was just funny, just like some small town stuff, you know. And so Willie introduced me to Luke. And I met Luke, had not been to um, Nashville at this point, had just talked about it and was scared. Like, my parents were scared to death of Nashville because all anyone, like, my guitar teacher would be like, don't go to Nashville. It's it's evil. Ah, like, the, the first one, not the second one. And so we were scared. Like, my dad had a talk with me before we went the first time, and he was like, I'm just letting you know, like, I was 14, I think, 14 or 15, 14. He was like, I'm just letting you know, like, don't expect that it's going to be, like, great or whatever. He was like, this is the real world. Like, mm -hmm. we don't know what to expect. Like, don't let it get to you, you know. And so it makes me kind of teary-eyed to repeat that. Yeah. So um, we, I met Luke, this that conversation was after I met Luke, because Luke was the one who was like, you need to come to Nashville. He looked at his calendar on the bus the night I'd met him, and Dallas Davidson was, was on the bus that night. Cole Swindell was also on the bus. Cole was the merch guy at the night, uh, at the time. So Luke looks at, at his calendar. I was, I'd been, like, jamming with these guys. Like, play, Luke had played. Now they're, they've been number ones at the time. Yeah. No one had heard him, you know. Um, and he looks at his calendar, says, well, I'll be in town this weekend and this weekend, and we plan the trip in like two weeks from then. Oh, wow. So he's really jumping in. Yeah. Well, it was already kind of like one of those things, like, again, I, my parents were super supportive. Like, my dad, when he does something, he goes all in, like. You know, he just, he doesn't do anything halfway. Like, you would have to see some of the stuff he builds. Um, So, that's kind of, and I appreciate that so much because I was just a kid. And I wanted to do it. I loved it, you know. But I, I also had that mindset. I was I grew up in rodeo. I won the world championship. Like, yeah, let's do, let's, let's do it. I want to be, you know, I want to, I didn't want to be famous. I was just like, I want to be the best at this I can possibly be. And I want to do as much as I can do, mm -hmm. you know. 
So took a trip and compiled kind of those contacts that someone such and such said they knew in Nashville. And and they met with me. And, like, I made contact from that. That's hard to do. Like, I have trouble doing that now. Yeah. And these were people like Shay Smith who agreed to write with me when I was 14 and it wasn't because I had great songs. It wasn't because I sounded great. I found some home videos a few months ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, you know. Um, it's crazy. And then Phil O'Donnell ended up producing my first project. And he was also producing Mo Pitney at the time. Craig Mo. Morgan. I know. I, and I got to meet Mo, like, when he was kind of first coming to town. and. Mm-hmm. Always been a good good dude. Um, so we, I, I made like a project, like, uh, and it was a full album. So I was had been playing shows back home, and I made this this project, and it came together well because I had kind of built a fan base without really knowing what I was doing. You know, I was just playing shows, and I wasn't getting paid. I was playing for tips. Because, my, honestly, my dad selfishly just wanted me to play for people, you know. I, oh, I'll never forget. Uh, our farrier was out one day, and I just had the bug so much. And I made him stop, like, working. I was like, and played him a song. And I, like, brought my guitar out there with the horse getting trimmed. I'm like, listen to this song I just wrote, you know. And, um, Do you miss that? I miss it. You, you miss that passion of that, you know? I the, feel like I have a, a better passion for do it. Do you? Now. Oh, good. Because it was so, I was like, I would get nervous, you know? And I remember just like in my mind feeling like I didn't want to do it because I was, I, because it was a lot of pressure for a 14 year old, you yeah. know? But like wanting to, it's, it's real hard to explain. Like really wanting to want to do it, but like, kind of want to find a way out of it because it was it was scary mm-hmm. and it would always like go pretty well but like even now like think of like playing a solo gig like it's not real easy to sit there and play. you know you have to kind of get your mind in the right place yeah to no, sit yeah. there for a long time by yourself and like it just it's more fun when you have someone to vibe off on stage with yeah yeah well, it's not easy at all yeah so i i was just I remember, like, trying to, like, tell myself that, like, I was trying to, like, fake it to myself, but you really love to do this. And I did, but the nerves just, like, made it feel like a whole lot of work. And so the older I got, like, I don't know, I freaking love it now. So I miss being naive. Yeah. But I feel like they go hand in hand. Like, the naivety of it and then maybe like not really finding out how much you love it yet and passion and confidence you know it's like you don't want to be confident that so if you had to give up age. either performing or writing songs <sighs> which one would you give up that's hard yeah that one's tough um and the reason i ask because that's a good there's question there's something about performing you know here's the deal I've done the only writing thing, and I really love how many shows I'm playing now. So I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think if I have to play covers for the rest of my life, I'll just find a way to make the covers kind of like my own thing, you know? 
you know, there's just something about being in front of people, making them feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you can't get nothing from anything or buy anything else. You know? I'm more confident in my performing, I think, than my writing. Are you? Yeah. I, well, I'm well, that's, so critical of my writing. Well, there's no doubt. I think you're a great performer. But I, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I do believe in your songwriting. I mean, it's, it's, it's very... The first song I... The first song was sitting by the fire by Pace Place, and you played a song called "Flowers Can't Fix." Can't fix. And I don't—I know I wasn't the only one, because I remember my there's my brother, and there's probably three or four people that hadn't never heard you before that was around that fire. And when you played that song, we all had to get up and was—you know how we do when a good song, we like, start hollering, you know. <laughs> I mean, songwriter. Yep. No, that's blue yeah. for you. But. Uh, God, it was just such a great song. Some of the lines you put in there. Uh, would you mind playing that? Playing yeah, that? yeah, heck yeah. Um, this is kind of part of that journey. like, And I don't know, it's not that when I look at it and I don't like let my head and my thoughts get in the way, which that book has helped me like figure out kind of like how, my, how our minds as creative people are supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So if you feel this way, like, yeah, you do, because we all do that, you know. And so just my confidence in writing, th- that's why I wrote this song by myself because I go through stages. So like, I had a great weekend. I, I wrote three songs in one day. And I was like, I needed this. Because prior, I had a couple weeks where I wasn't writing like my favorite songs, you know, that like songs I necessarily wanted to play out or just songs that beat what I already play out is... Mm-hmm. That's where it gets hard. That's for the name of the game, though. Yeah, it's like you're just trying. You're trying to write something better than what you've already written, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and that's and hard we, for me to do. And you know, don't, and we don't have to. We don't. That's pressure all. we put on ourselves. A hundred percent. A good song should stand on its own. Yeah, nothing should compare to it. Yeah. But yeah, I feel. I feel what you're saying. And I just, well, I just feel like, you know, I, I think in my mind, I'm like forget that I'm a human and that it's okay to not have a great day in the writing room, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. But I just, I, I really like when people like see me as a great writer because it's like intelligence or something. I don't know. I like being perceived as that. And so if I'm having a, you know, a day in a writing room where maybe I'm not helping a whole lot, like I really don't want that writer to, to go back and be like, I don't know how she has, I guess her co-writers are, you know, helping her write the songs, and so it's just a, it's just the silliest well, stuff. But I think the validation is because you, you create something out of nothing. Yeah, I mean, you this go into song, a writing room, even on a bad day, you go into a writing room with just an idea. Yeah, and that idea, there's no, there's no substance there. There's no mass. I mean, it's it's, it's what, it's just the electrical discharge in your head, and yeah. it can turn into a song that makes. You know, it's yeah. that's that's the part of songwriting that I love. Well, also, you're telling, um, you're you're creating a movie mm-hmm. and a whole storyline in three minutes. Like, how many people? You know, only songs yeah. do that. Like, it's a pretty crazy thing. Well, along those lines of just just being hard on myself and your internal di- dialogue is so important, and it's something I always work on. Can you believe um, there's people that don't have that internal? Yes. Right. I mean, I cannot believe that. <laughs> how does that even happen? 
How does those people live? I don't. I can't even. I don't even understand. I don't. I can't even have a conversation about it because I'm having internal dialogue about them not having internal dialogue. Right. Like, I don't understand it. I wonder I mean, how many because that's part of when I tell this story. I talk about internal dialogue. I wonder how many people are like, oh, I won't be able to relate to it because. Well, before you play, so your internal dialogue. Is it your voice that you hear? Oh, no. I don't, it doesn't really have a voice. I don't think, well, mine does, but it's not me. It, it's just thought, like, it's just thoughts. It's not really, like, something. Do you have voices in your head? Oh, we have a committee meeting every morning. <laughs> He's actually hearing voices over here. They have Multiple sounds. Multiple voices. <laughs> I guess if, I guess it would be my voice if, oh, well, how, <laughs> it changes. I guess it does. <laughs> well, hey. And now it's yeah. official. We're all little cuckoo. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's do a song, and then I'm gonna have uh, maybe I think maybe somebody here, a few people might want to talk, ask yeah, some questions. Yeah, some questions. Ooh, yeah, that's fun. That's and then exciting. we'll uh, I'm gonna have to get me some more of your wine. Yeah, I know. I keep I have short arms, so <laughs> also I'm talking. <laughs> All right, I so do this on stage too. This is one of my favorite songs that you've written. Flowers Can't Fix. I mm -hmm. wrote it by myself because I was letting those kind of thoughts get in my head and I just knew like that would fix it. I'm like, if I could write a song by myself, I'll prove to myself that I am a songwriter. I had done it before when I first started writing, but just you co write. That's just how you do in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of wanted to set myself apart, you know, and I wrote this song. It's called Flowers Can't Fix. You show up flowers in your hand and I see a boy. I want a man every time you bring those damn things. You think it's easy. When are you going to see that some things flowers can't fix and I'm tired of sleeping in your bed of roses this time I won't give in get the short end of a long stem and it don't Flowers can fit. I wish they didn't make me want to fall out in love. I wish they weren't sitting there just because we had a fight last night. And I wish there was a way we could make it all right, but some things flowers can't fix. And I'm tired of sleeping in your bed of roses this time. I won't give in, get the short end of a long stem And it don't matter how hard I try, baby They're always just gonna die like you and me And there ain't no magic trick Some things flowers
but some things flowers can't fix and I'm tired of sleeping in your bed of roses this time I won't give in get the short end of a long stem and it don't matter how hard I try baby they're always just gonna die like you and me and there ain't no magic trick some things flowers can't Thank you. My favorite line in that song is short end of a long stem. God, so I good. try to remember like how I came up with that and I just I don't even know. You know, it just happened to rhyme. Because <laughs> what like I, this is how I write. I'll write down like ideas. So I'm writing a song about flowers. So I'm like, okay, what are different things you can call flowers? Because you have to say you're basically saying some things flowers can't fix and seven different ways depending on how many lines you're in the song um but you can't use the same word so it's like a puzzle to me so i'm like okay synonyms for flowers or synonyms for roses and long stem was one of them and then i was like long short you do that kind of thing because it's like smart and i'm like short end of a long stem and it rhymed you hit it it was and it like everyone hears that line and i'm like i wish it was just because i was trying to rhyme and i got lucky that that rhyme you know but well hey sometimes lucky's yeah <laughs> good <laughs> that's, that's sometimes that's how smart lines come about is i'm like oh those words go together what i just i'm just i, I just love your writing i'm a big fan um so good well i feel the same way about your writing Oh, I love it, and your well, let's, voice. Let's see what uh, somebody else thinks. Y'all got any yeah. questions, anybody? Questions? For Chancey? Okay, I do. There's a lot of talk right now about women in the music industry. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about women in the music industry. Yep. Getting getting enough attention or airplay. Get enough attention and airplay. No songs being written by women. Uh, I'm curious, how do you think about that? Do you typically go into the room thinking I'm writing as a woman mm -hmm. before a woman, you know, performer, or no? So I'll be honest. Let me restate that. So okay. Yeah, yeah. So the question was, can, how do you feel about writing for other women or being a woman, a woman writer in the industry too? Yeah. Um, I'll kind of be honest. Like, I don't put a lot of thought into to being a woman. I was kind of raised to just be who you are. My dad taught me how to weld when I was nine, so he taught me. He, d he didn't have any boys, so, like, he didn't say, you can't weld. I'm, I'm not going to teach you to weld, like, you're a nine-year-old girl, you know. And so I think that mindset of just, like, well, I don't care. Yeah, there are people I've been in the room with where you can definitely tell that, like, I've also been always been, like, the youngest one up until maybe, like, the last few years. Um, so I can tell when someone's treating me differently because they think that maybe I'm not as capable as they are. And, like, that's that's a funny thing because I talked about confidence a lot. But the confidence is in here. It's not the way other people – like, when other people act, like, crappy towards me or people – I'm like, that's your problem. That doesn't affect me. 
And so I I try to – I don't really put a lot of thought into it. And I've, I've actually gotten along writing with men really well. I write – and mm-hmm. I feel like a bunch of people say that. That's changed over the past couple of years too because mm-hmm. I think it's just finding the right people. Yeah. And I'll, I'll expand on that just, just a touch. Yeah, yeah. Because believe me, I don't know nothing about this. But it seems to me that the best songs make it, whether they were written by a woman or not. Right. Now, it, it might be skewed in a in, in a non-woman's favor because there's probably three times as more guys writing songs than there is a woman. Right. That don't mean that... And also, like, published writers, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 100% of, you know, an inequality there in the in the industry it's gotten a lot better i was on a writer's retreat this week it was nine girls and first thing we did like there was a a fiddle player there was a dober player there was a mandolin player there was a banjo and like a whole bunch of guitars and it was just like this is so cool because all these like great musicians and then the next day i went to a jam session and there was a bunch of guys there nothing against guys but it was just like I was like, I got another guitar. Like, who wants to like grab a solo? And no one could could like play a solo. And it was a bunch of people there. And I was like, I was just with with a bunch of girls that could play mm-hmm. multiple instruments. It was just a cool experience. So, I just feel like there are things that like I can do solely. But like the best thing I can do for me is to try my hardest and pretend like if they have a you know look at me differently because I'm a woman. Sometimes that happens. You know, most of the time it doesn't. Um, then that's their problem, and I'm, you know, that's gonna bite them in the butt eventually. So. Did that answer that? Is that? Yeah. Cool. Any more? Anybody else? So I'm not sure if this is more of a question or a statement, but I'm gonna phrase it as a question. I guess it's kind of for both of you, but are you aware of how vital your role is in society as songwriters because you capture like moments. I mean, like for those of us who aren't writers, we need music Mm -hmm. desperately to survive, to cope, to whatever. And I don't know if you ever see your role as so vital to every human and you are like taking parts of everybody's lives and putting them into songs, like you said, in three three minutes, right? And and writing a whole movie or a whole story, and I don't know. I I, I think sometimes you guys just you do what you do because you're supposed to do it and you're called to do it, right? But do you do you ever like realize that you are like carrying like humanity on your shoulders sometimes? That's a really beautiful way of wording that. Mm-hmm. Um, Great question. I guess I'll go first. Um, I have moments, and I think that's why I love playing out so much, is because it's the whole process for me. I love writing, but there was like a good chunk of years that I was doing a whole bunch of writing and not a lot of playing shows out, and I was I had like I was missing something, and so getting to connect with people and seeing that, you know, how much people need music. I think COVID has really opened like a lot of our eyes on both ends of like how important music is. Um, but I mean, on the flip side of that, for the most part, I'm just so passionate about music that I'm driven by that. And then I've gone through stages to where like my, I'm driven 
to like please a publisher or please a crowd or please a manager or something and so it was really healthy for me to make music for me for you know as far as the making music process and then it's full circle getting to play those shows and other people you know being like oh I knew him somebody said at that Lake Martin show when I played Hail Mary he was like her name was Mary and she was just like that he was like you you like were you know and I could tell I was like he needed to hear that song he it spoke to him so much and it's just a funny song but yeah what's your take on that Jad? oh you know I, I think it's I think what we do is very very important mm-hmm. um and I don't think it's something we should do light, take lightly. If you remember, for our retreat in Lake Martin, I sent all the writers that was coming down. I sent a letter out to everybody saying, "We have the power to change lives. Mm-hmm. We create songs. We create these words, and these words, you know, can affect people in good or bad ways. Mm-hmm. So let's at least be intentional about doing it, at least for in good, you know. Right." But to answer that question, though, I'd have to answer it like this. I don't write for that, though. I write because it's what it's what cures my mm-hmm. pain. But we're all connected. Somebody said this Because you can't live without it either. Just as much as a listener can't live without right. it. Right. You I can't. can't either. Yeah, so same. if I can do something and write something that somebody else can, can you know, understand – the motions and the feelings, mm-hmm. and that's great. I didn't set out to do that. I, I set out for myself. And I guess you can. I guess you could set out to do that. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point is this. We're all connected, and we, we, we it's so easy to forget that. And I believe the songwriter is, is most important because the songwriter mm-hmm. is what reminds us that we're all connected. Yes. You know? 100%. Um. It's a great responsibility, but it's also a great reward. I mean, I, that you know, I love the way you phrase it because maybe I'll be more intentional about it now. Because when moments like that come along, like I've been more intentional about appreciating the little things. Because I said this earlier, I was raised to just dream so big and that anything was possible. That sometimes, like my goals and dreams were so big that I wasn't appreciating like the step. You know, even though, oh, this is cool, you know, and appreciating it, but, like, really, like, intentionally celebrating being able to go on a writer's retreat. There's so many writers who have never gone on a writer's retreat. And, yeah, we enjoy it, but that's a win. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to write a song on 16th Avenue and look out the window and be like, that's 16th Avenue. Mm-hmm. People don't get to do that. Like, people dream about that their whole life and have no idea how to start, and it's at our fingertips. And... Yeah, so I'll, I think I'll be more intentional about, like, realizing the weight that's on our shoulders. Yes. Yeah. I live for a purpose, you know. It's my personality. Wow. This is so – it's been, been so much fun. That, right? I, I'm telling you, we could go all night long. <laughs> I, I, but I knew that we could because that's what yeah. you and I do. I, um, I love it. That's a great question, though. Um, let's do another question and then – Maybe do one more song and okay. then we'll wrap it up. I know we can't keep people all night, but uh, gosh, it has been fun. I know it has. This is awesome. So this is like one of the more like I've gotten to expand on stuff, and they're usually like 
pretty rushed when I do podcasts. Well, so we've talked about where you're from and everything, but so I want to get everybody up to date now. Okay. What, what, what are you doing now and uh, all that good stuff? But let me see if there's any more questions okay. first. Anybody else? Any online, maybe? Uh, nothing in the chat right now. Although, cool. uh, Lori Snyder said thank you for sharing your story, so maybe give her a shout-out. Lori Snyder. Oh, thanks, Lori. Yep. Yeah, glad to do it. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to have you back. We'll have to do part two. Oh, for sure. Part three, maybe. I didn't even get to talk about the book. I know. <laughs> it's so good. So. Put a, put a bow on it, kind of what's going on and everything. So real quick, you're celebrating because of the stories that you had shared with us about where you're from and how one begat this. So you're on a the album of the year. Yeah, um, nominated for ACM album of the year. Um, so I got to sing background vocals on Luke Bryan's record um, on a song called Where Are We Going? And I got to do some like, it's background vocals, but we call them ad-libs. So it's like oohs and ahs in the background and I got to actually say a couple words, which was cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I ended up in, like, it wasn't even because of the history I have with him either. I ended up in a parking lot in a studio, and uh, I ran into Brent Cobb, who I'm a huge fan of. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of his. And uh, he's Grammy-nominated artist, you know, incredible writer, mm-hmm. and just, like, unique, too. Like, his perspective on things is great. And so... I had known Brent for a while, um, and I'd written with him a couple times in the past. So I ran into him in the parking lot, and we were catching up. And he's like, well, I just wrote two songs with Luke. You want to come in and hear them? And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm in there, and I'm like, this is cool. You know, I'm getting to hear these songs. Little Winds. Like, again, like, I've been through such a, like, up and down in my career that, like, there was a moment I wasn't doing anything. I could No one's asked me to even play writer's rounds. And yeah. so I got to where I'm like, I'm going to be intentional about this. So I was really happy I was in there and kind of just singing along. If you know me at all, I'm like constantly singing. I'll be in the grocery store just like singing about Cheerios, you know, if I'm getting Cheerios. And I've had people think that I'm like trying to show off by singing like that. And I'm like, no, my brain just like never stops like hearing music. They're like, we know you can sing. I'm like, oh, was I singing? Was I singing? I didn't even realize it. I'm sorry. I'll stop now. Um, so <laughs> get in the studio, pick, start picking up like some background vocal, like a little line, because I'm just singing along with it because I'm feeling it. And uh, he was like, "You want to get in there and put backgrounds on it?" I'm like, "Yeah." So get in the studio, and I was nervous. I was like, oh, shoot, I agreed to that, and I'm about to embarrass myself because background vocals didn't, oh, my God. It took me forever to learn how to sing backgrounds. It was not easy for me, and it was something that I was like. Intentional about? I inten- <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Intentional. It's funny what you do when you're intentional. Inten- it is, yep. yeah. It's like word of the day. Um, so, well, I figured just being on tour with, like, Luke and stuff – when he started doing duets, he had, like, uh, Home Alone Tonight. And being on tour with him, being the only girl, I'm like, he's going to ask me to sing backgrounds or the duet part one day, and I better learn how to sing some background vocals. I I will not say no. I'll embarrass myself before I say no. And 
so I started just like forcing myself to learn how. So getting the studio was nervous because I'm like, oh, I'm not great at this. Um, and it went great. And I kind of had like picked out some melodies, just some oohs and ahs. And I was really trying to find like where the the harmony part was, but I sang a little melody and Brent was like, that was cool. Like throw that, just sing some of that in there, you know? And I love doing that stuff. Like I've probably, like if I'm in a writer's round, sometimes I'll do that on stage. And uh, anyway, sang the demo. Um, He was like, I'll send them to you. I'm like, sweet. You know, uh, six months like later, he never sent me the songs, and in my mind, I was like, I must have not sounded good, because he didn't send them to me. Like, he probably just, like, took them off after I left. <laughs> and so, I get a call from, the the phone says, Jeffrey Stevens. I was like, by the way, Luke Bryan's producer's name is Jeff Stevens. It said Jeffrey Stevens, and I was like, it was caller ID. I'm like, it was Jeffrey Stevens. It says 615 number, and I'm like, voicemail. Send him to voicemail. <laughs> shit (laughs) um (laughs) and then he called again and i was like somebody like this is a bill collector but like part of me was like wanting to answer it because it rang a bell and i just let it ring again i don't know i'm weird about phone calls um so then he texted me he's like hey chancy this is jeff stevens give me a call when you get a chance and i was like you dumbass oh my god i cannot believe i just did that I immediately called him back and he was like making small talk and I'm over here racking my brain why in the world is he calling me or whatever and a lot of times those phone calls end up being like riding lessons or something to do with horses or a horse question and he was like well this is you singing on this Brent Cobb song right and I was like yeah that's me and this is how he worded it and it just shows like how humble that whole Luke Bryan camp is but he was like, well, would you be willing to sing, he said willing, <laughs> willing to sing on Luke's record? And I was like, yep. And I just wow. I just took a moment and I was like, this is it. This this is not even like I'm about, this is going to break my career. This is something that I worked so hard to do and to get to be able to do something like this. And. I mm-hmm. did put in the work, mm-hmm. you know. It did, it wasn't something that came easy to me, and like I just I just let it all hit me, you know. And he's still on the phone, and I'm just like, t- and you know, wanting to cry. And um, yeah, I went in and sang on it, and I could I didn't remember the song like which one it was, and so um, Brent ended up sending me the the demo and so I got to hear my part and I got into the studio and the guitar player had played the part that I sang on the demo uh, he had played that melody and I was like I had to come up with something uh-oh. else like okay on the fly um but it ended up you know being great and it worked out perfectly and I actually we had the first mix the first thing I did in 2020 I was at a new year's party and Jody Stevens, who also produces Luke, uh, Jeff's son, was there, and he was like, you want to hear it? And so the first thing I got to do in 2020 was hear the mix. Nice. And uh, it was cool, and I I ended up getting to go back. Luke was like, I feel like she, we need more of her. Like, Mm -hmm. we want her to do, because I did background vocals. Well, don't everybody that makes you? Do what? Don't everybody that makes you say, we we need some more of that. We need some more chances. (laughs) 
Oh, I hope so. I'm sure that my husband's probably like, will you shut up, please? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if everybody. <laughs> my dad sometimes is like, God, he's, it's funny because he talks a lot too. So our phone conversations are great. He's, my dad's like, don't, he was like, let me finish. And I'm like, it's a two people conversation. Like you've been talking forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think that was that was all of so, it. But, but the, so it's nominated for ACM. Yeah. Did Did you get a plaque? Have you you got so something? What was ACM, that you got? ACM. Oh, that was uh, I wrote a song that went platinum. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. Yeah. Wrote a song that went, that was in 2015 that that happened. Mm. Um. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, it got nominated for ACM Album of the Year. That platinum is what. Five hundred thousand million. A million. Okay. It's crazy. See. Million. And I, I say you're one of the best songwriters in town, and you just blow me off. But you got see, I got proof. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's cool to have, it's cool to have that. Like, they don't come come along very often anymore. And uh, it's something I always. It's like my my buckle that I won. You'll, I'll always have that. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much I tell myself in my head. That I'm not a songwriter some days. I got that plaque on the wall that says I am. You know, it's 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 good. Well, I'm. It's a good thing. I'm very very grateful to have Kristen Kelly as a friend. I'm Same. grateful that she introduced us. Same. And I love you because of you. Um, I love your songwriting too, but you just you just who you are, and, and sometimes authenticity is hard in this town. It, yeah, it, this sounds specifically. I thank you for saying that. Um, it's not, you know, that's another. I, I, and I keep talking about, like, oh, I have to work on this and I have to work on that. But I think, like, the reason I'm so open about it probably sounds like I'm, you know, not super confident. I'm perceived as a really confident person. And I, I would say I am more confident than not. Um, but I just want, you know, just like the real stuff that, like, sometimes I don't talk about that, like, drives me i mean really those thought th- that kind of stuff like make 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 me want to be better yeah well you so. took off for six years and i don't want to get into it because we don't have time we're out of time actually <laughs> but next time we get together yeah i want to know what drove you to do that and and you know who, who you were during that period because because uh, that happens to a lot of people happened mm-hmm. happened to me you know i thought i thought by giving up music was going to make at the time things at home better but it, it right. didn't it only made it worse because it because it was my identity mm-hmm. and when i didn't have that i wasn't i wasn't able to to be who i needed to be to everybody yeah and i had the same experience and it was at the end of the day like i lost a lot of contacts mm-hmm. and it wasn't an intentional break it was just because i didn't i was lost you know and this town had burned me out and uh yeah, so it was a good thing though because I kind of was like you rise from the ashes type deal, you know. I just I just felt like I'd gotten forgotten about. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's a bad feeling. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it. For that's a that'd be that'd, that'd take be another two. hour for me to do. That'll be part two. Well, thank you for coming to the Real Music Nashville studios today. Yeah, this is amazing. I had such a good time. I clearly had a good time, and I'm sober. <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't reach my drink, so that's good. It's probably a good thing. I, could you imagine how much I talk? <laughs> Chad's like, I know. 
Well, y'all don't forget, y'all out there listening, don't forget to share this and uh, y'all look out. We'll do part two.